Happy Friday, friends. You did it. That is March basically wrapped up. You're a quarter of the year down. Can you imagine? And what a gorgeous week it's been as well. It has been stunning out there. The clocks change this Sunday. It's basically already here. Bright nights, warm weather. It's all on route, friends, and it's closer than you think. Be ready. As for right now, you are listening to the Lincolnite podcast with myself, Ronnie Byrne. Before we kick things off, remember, you need to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast provider. And if you enjoy this show as much as we enjoy making it, be sure to tell your friends, your family, and everyone in between about the Lincolnite podcast. Tell your barber, your doctor, your bartender. Tell the guy under the stonebow that hands out leaflets. Let them know we're here and we ain't going nowhere. Also, in a similar vein, if you could drop us a review or a little thumbs up via your podcast provider, that would just be dandy as well. I think Apple work in stars for theirs. Give me a five. I'm a five star man. Spotify, I believe they work in likes. You get the idea. It would genuinely mean the world to us if you could. Thank you so much if you will. As always, friends, as always, I have one hell of a show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking to Francesca Amber, host of the Law of Attraction Change My Life podcast, the number one self-improvement podcast in the United Kingdom. She's going to be talking about what the Law of Attraction has done in her life and how through her experiences, she now instills that same mentality into others. Also on today's show, if you've walked anywhere in the city center in the last, I don't know, year or five, there's absolutely no way that you haven't spotted the word juice tagged on a wall, a phone box, an electrical box, a shop doorway. You get the idea. For the first time ever, and while still kind of being hunted by the police, the notorious graffiti artist Juice is going to be speaking out anonymously about why he does what he does, what Juice is all about, and whether he sees his work as vandalism, art, protest, or some weird form of therapy. You do not want to miss that interview. But first and foremost, friends, I'm going to be talking to Lincoln-based artist Sean Bristow, whose work is currently featured in an exhibition named Who Run the World? It's girls, by the way, at the Electric Gallery in London. The exhibition is displaying exclusive pieces from 30 women, all from the UK, to highlight that less than a third of art sold in galleries is produced by women. It's crazy, right? Sean is an incredible artist, a very dear friend. I've wanted her on the show since before we even had a show. So, I'm elated to say, friends, Sean Bristow. Sean Bristow, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Sean. I'm very well. So tell me all about this exhibition in London. Okay, so it's called Who Run the World? And we all know the answer is girls. Um, so it's all female artists are being showed for the whole of the month um, for International Women's Day. Um, it's a great opportunity for loads of different women who you usually wouldn't get that platform. Um, it's a great chance to kind of meet up and coming female artists or already established female artists. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a great exhibition showing loads of variety of kind of different works. So I saw one of the reasons behind it was 32% of art sold in galleries is created by women. That's a very small number. Do you think that's due to a lack of representation of women in art galleries? Yeah, hugely. Yeah. Um, it's such a small number. Like you said, 32% is like awful, awfully small. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely down to the representation and just throughout like history as well, you know, it's not that there wasn't any female artists, it's just they were never given the chance to show their work or the platform, you know, and it wasn't as desired as the male artists' work, even though it's just as good and if not better in some cases. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very rare to have heard of like a female artist years ago. So even still at 32%, it's still a low number, but I think it is getting better. It's being more recognized and hopefully changing for the better. 
hopefully changing indeed. So which of your pieces are being displayed at said exhibition? <laughs> um, I have two balloon bears there. Um, there's one that's like a rainbow coloured. Um, it's called Love is for Everyone. Um, and then just a plain pink one. And then I've got a hand cast. I don't know whether you saw it. It's actually in Agatha's um, down, the, down the road from here. Um, just like a display with a hand cast holding some balloon flowers. Um, but yeah, that one's not for sale. That's just my hand. <laughs> that was just something I made. So no, the two pieces for sale are the balloon bears. So talk to me more about the balloon bears. They are the cutest things I've ever seen in my life. I am still indebted to you because you gave one to me to raffle off one of my charity quizzes. Thank you again for that. Where did you get the idea for the balloon bears? Uh, on honestly, it, um, I wish I could give you like a really clever answer for this. <laughs> Um, I think I just, I don't know, I think in the back of my mind, like I've always loved teddy bears growing up. Like I had a huge collection of bears. I loved Me Too bears. I, you know, I've always grown up with them. Um, and then I'd recently been to Canada as well. So whether that was kind of like a subconscious thing with the bears, I was desperate to see one. Um, so no, I, I wanted to kind of do something fun, something that was like compact that people would like, you know, the cute little faces. And yeah, this bear, I must've done about three or four before this one. Um, I still got them just to keep, but they were very, <laughs> you know, funny shaped and stuff. So the bear we went with, yeah, the bear I went with, sorry. Um, is I don't know where it came from. It's just a fun. I wanted something to you know cheer people up. To I don't know, just a nice fun thing to have. They are cute as all hell. How long do they take to make? Um, well, now I've got the mold. It takes probably an hour for the plaster and everything to set and, and dry, and then uh, it can take a few more hours to paint and finish them, and then gloss them, varnish them. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd say a day. <laughs> so uh, I was looking through your shop as well. You've got some one of ones at the moment. They look crazy. I saw the uh, the Brooklyn Way one. That was really cool. You want to talk a little bit more about them because they are they're tight they're really cool <laughs> thank you um yeah the limited edition ones are kind of um me having fun with them i think because um the bears that i was originally putting out were just all plain colors um so these are kind of yeah they're one of ones so they'll never be the same ever because they're hand painted and <laughs> all got their own design um yeah just having fun with them really coming up with ideas so, like the brooklyn way one that you said um I'd seen this graffiti piece when I was in New York and it, it was just covered in hearts and it reminded me of the Biggie song, you know, it's like, <laughs> spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. So it's covered in hearts. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of things I've seen, got inspiration from and kind of worked into the bears. Yeah, shout out Biggie. Now, something I really did want <laughs> something I really did want to ask you. So you worked on the Knights Trail in 2017 in Lincoln, Imp Trail in 2021, which did have a happy ending in the end. We all know what happened. Awful, but we move forward. You did a Manchester B in 2018. What is th that one sold for was it twenty-seven thousand pounds for charity? Yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. Still can't believe it when you say it. <laughs> That's so much money. What is the process like for making something of that size as opposed to the bloom bears, which are about about 20, 25 centimeters, give or take? They're less, they're like 15 centimeters. Yeah, they're even diddier than that. Um, yeah, God, they're totally different. Um, the huge sculptures for the trail, they're always bigger than you realize. It gives you the measurements when you put your designs in, but then you pick it up and it's like, we actually had to put the B over our garden wall and, and through the patio doors. Yeah, because the wings just were so awkward. Um, so yeah, they're always bigger than you realize, um, but they're really fun. They're really fun to paint and slightly different to the bears just because they're different materials and uh, but I do use the same paints um, but no the the trail sculptures uh, they're like a nice canvas to work on I really enjoy working on those and how long do those bad boys take 
Oh God, way longer, <laughs> too long. Um, they can take weeks, yeah, weeks, yeah. Sometimes solid nights just working on them and um, yeah, through the day. I'm more of a night owl, like I prefer to work at night. Uh, so yeah, usually a night shift <laughs> put in. Yeah, they can take months to complete from start to finish. Fair play. So you said before this interview as we were walking in that you don't really feel like you've got a lot going on, which is just crazy because you have more going on than most people I know. What is in the pipeline for the rest of your year? God, I'm trying to think that far ahead. Um, no, definitely the bears, they're still being worked on. So they're currently being mass produced down in London, which is really exciting for me. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's quite a long process. So I started that last year. So hopefully this year is kind of the finishing touches on those. Um, working more on the limited edition ones, hopefully getting out there more with more exhibitions and uh, different galleries. Um, and then also I've been chosen for the Heart Trail for the St. Barnabas Trail, which is actually going to be next year now um but yeah so if anyone wants to get involved with that keep putting your designs in because um it's going to be really fun to be involved with i didn't even know that has that been announced yeah yeah so um it's <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pull you in i'll give you the details later <laughs> yeah it's um the submissions for the artists and um the um, I can't remember the name for the sponsors. <laughs> sponsors are um, still being mm. kind of taken in at the minute. So I think the trail will actually be taking part next year just throughout Lincoln, but all the way out to like Skegness and, you know, the cover in Lincolnshire and it's all going towards St Barnabas. Um, so yeah, huge, huge charity and a great opportunity. But she says she doesn't feel like she has anything going on. Can you imagine? Sean, if people want to see more of your work, visit your stores, see you online. Whereabouts can they go to find all that good stuff? <laughs> I'm active on Instagram as Sean Bristow. And then my website's seanbristow.co.uk. So that's where I post most of my bears. <laughs> yeah, and the work, new work. Sean, it's been magical. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Sean Bristow, friends, an absolute delight to have in the studio. I'm a massive fan of her art. She's an incredible friend. I still rep one of her balloon bear pin badges every now and again. Check her work out at seanbristow.co.uk or on Instagram at seanbristow. Easy. Sorry, I went to see, uh, I went to see Stormzy last Friday and it hasn't really, hasn't really worn off yet. So, earlier this week, I visited the home of Francesca Amber. Absolutely gorgeous home, I will say. Now, Francesca's work revolves around the idea of the law of attraction and manifesting your own destiny. She's the host of the biggest self-improvement podcast in the country and one of the biggest on the planet, quite frankly. Her Law of Attraction Changed My Life Facebook group has a quarter of a million members. She has a best-selling book under her belt. She's big time, basically. She's big time. We spoke about how she got started in her line of work, how she manifested her husband two years before she met him by putting his photo on a vision board. Stick with me, stick with me. And we spoke about everything in between. So without further ado, friends, Francesca Ambar. Friends, I'm in the home of Francesca Ambar. Francesca, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Good, good. It's good to see it. So for anyone listening that doesn't know, very simply, what is the law of attraction? So the law of attraction is the belief that your thoughts create your reality. And so I think a lot of people can go through life feeling like a victim of their circumstances. But actually, through simply changing your thoughts, you can be the architect of your own life. You can create whatever you want, whatever you want. So what has the law of attraction done for you on a personal level? What, what's it done for you? What hasn't it done? I mean, I am... In my 30s, I'm a single parent. I have three young daughters and I never went to university. And yet I own two homes. 
I have an amazing business. I earn most more than my friends' husbands, which I love because <laughs> that's a personal accomplishment for me. Um, and I'm living my best goddamn life. I have freedom of time. I pick my children up from school. I take my children to school. I can work when I want, as little or as much as I want. And that's nothing crazy and nothing magical. It's just that's how I've created and designed my life. And I think so many people feel like they can't design their life how they want. They can. <laughs> so going on to something that you wrote on your website, you manifested a husband. How? Tell, tell me how that works. So many years ago, I went on Match.com because my sister had found her husband on there and my mum said I was too single and I needed to find somebody. So um, I went on and I put in very specific search results, like very specific, over six foot six, random stuff like this. And I had one result and it was like this tall man on a yacht that did not sway my decision, I promise. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, the second I saw his picture, I was like, this is my husband. It's like I knew him from another life. I was like, this is my husband. Anyway. I messaged him and he never responded because he hadn't been on there for three months. And in the end, I ended up phoning Match.com and something about data protection. They were not allowed to give me his number or his email address or anything. They might have said I was a bit crazy, but I really, really wanted to get in contact with him and they wouldn't let me. So I printed out his picture, put it on a vision board and I kept it for three years. Three years later, my friend is walking along the street in London and she sees this really tall guy and she didn't know about my vision board. I kept that secret. That is not something you want people to see, you know? It's a little bit crazy. <laughs> so she's walking on the road and she's like, oh my God, my friend would love you. Would you go on a blind date? And so we get set up on this blind date and I check out his Facebook page when he like messages me. It's the same picture. Not just is that the same man, it's the same picture. And we were engaged six months later and he is the father of my first daughter. And yeah, there we go. So you took a photo of a stranger from the internet, put it on a vision board and married him. Yes, I did. But you know what? Who's the winner? Who's the winner now? I mean, okay, we got divorced, but I do. I, I actually, I truly believe that people are supposed to come into your life for a reason. And my life has been 100% better because of marrying him. Even though we are not together now, he taught me so many things about automating your work, not working nine to five, things like that, that my family were not ready or willing to teach me they weren't in that space but he was and so i'm forever thankful that he was in my life for that season very grateful so i'm gonna ask this on a personal level so i fully believe in some aspects of the law of attraction i, I genuinely believe that if you approach things in a positive way then things around you will become more positive but are you saying that law of attraction can extend to material tangible things Yes. So I have an online book club um, that I do through a thing called Patreon and I have over two and a half thousand people in there and every month we do a new book. And last summer we focused really on like money mindset for two months, which I've never really done before. I always felt like it was a little bit unspiritual. I'd always done it for like fertility or health or love or friendships and things like that. And we focused on money. And you got to remember, right, at the beginning of this pandemic, I was a single pregnant to twins woman with another child I lost my salon in London I had no income whatsoever I had to take a, a mortgage holiday because I didn't think I'd be able to keep my house and we did this money mindset work and shortly after that I earned 50,000 pounds in one week now how is that possible I've never earned that I was earning that in a year how how is that possible if it's not the money mindset well I, I can't explain it and once you hit these new thresholds, you kind of, you just keep going. And really, the proof is in the pudding. With my podcast, I very much am very open about my life. So people have seen where I've come from and where I'm going. They could see when this house was like the horriblest house. It's the cheapest house in this village that I bought. 
Artex ceilings, horrible old brown carpets I couldn't afford to change. And people have seen me live through that transformation. And all I wanted was to save up enough money to do an extension to my house because I unexpectedly had twins. And now here I am a year later. I'm about to buy over half a million pound house in the village. And it's like, you can't... Like, how else do you explain it? I'm the living proof. And I think that's why a lot of people follow me because they can see that it's working in my life. They can see it's working. So... So it's more of a mindset thing as opposed to going, I'm going to manifest a billion quid. It's more about, like you say, a money mindset. It's the same thing. It's it's two sides of the same coin. It's like deciding to like not be a victim of your circumstance anymore. I could sit here and say, I'm a single mum. Like, that's why I'm poor. Or I didn't go to university. Or I don't get any financial support. Like, no one helps me. But... I choose that not to be my story. I choose to decide, actually, I want to be the single mum with the mixed-race children who people think are going to be poor and be like, actually, I'm richer than your goddamn husbands. <laughs> that's like my goal in life. Maybe I've got some issues there I need to work on. But um, yeah, that's what that's what drives me. And it's, it's making a decision of what you want to manifest and then you can put lots of rituals in place around that to manifest whatever it is that you want. So I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, actually. A question's just sort of come into my head. Where did you stand when, obviously, the director of creative director of Pretty Little Thing, Molly May, said we have the same 24 hours in a day? I know it's a tricky one. I know she got a lot of stick for it. Where, where did you stand on that? I'm surprised at how much backlash. And we most recently had Kim Kardashian, right? She got exactly the same backlash. And I think that I can completely understand what she was trying to say. It's not right because we don't all have the same 24 hours in the day. I have three young children on my own. I don't have the same 24 hours as what a friend of mine who has no children has. It's, it's not the same. Or somebody that has to work a 12-hour shift at a hospital. It's not the same. But I do understand what she's saying, that we all create our reality and we all create... You know, Kim Kardashian didn't have to become the biggest star in the world. She could have just been like, my dad's a lawyer. I'm going to hang out in Beverly Hills. I'm going to get drunk on the weekends like Lindsay Lohan did. And do you know what I mean? But she didn't. She chose to work. And I think to have that work ethic when you already have money, that's incredible. Because really, what's your drive there? What's your drive and ambition? Because you already have loads of money. So I do understand what they both mean is that you create your reality and it's up to you how hard you work and molly may you know she's the most successful person money-wise to come out of love island and that hasn't happened by accident mm. so how did your experiences that we've just been speaking about with the law of attraction lead to you teaching others about it H how did you make that step well, I did it from a YouTube channel for years and I loved it, but I hated having to put makeup on and, <laughs> and actually look presentable. So when podcasts came about, I was like, this is my thing. I can sit here in my dressing gown and look horrendous and no one needs to see me. So that was great. Um, but I just love to share. It's not about manifesting a half million pound house. It's not about that. I like to help. And I found that my niche is helping particularly single women people that have tried to leave maybe toxic relationships, people that just want to be the kind of rich where you can pick your children up from school. You can take a two-year maternity leave rather than one. Being able to do these things in our society now has become a luxury and it shouldn't be a luxury. And I'm just trying to share how people can be in charge of their realities and not just be like, oh God, my maternity leave's at an end and I've got to leave my baby and be sad about it. You don't have to. You can, you can change your life. Mm. 
Do you think there's a limit on how far the law of attraction can go? No, I mean, you tell me Barack Hussein Obama became president of the United States. Someone with that name, are you kidding me? Barack Hussein Obama. And this is what I always tell people, Barack Hussein Obama and also Evian make millions of pounds a year selling water that we get for free in the tap. So no, I think that there's no limit. You can do what you like. That's magic. Francesca Amber, if people want to learn more, where can they go? So my podcast is called Law of Attraction Changed My Life. It's available everywhere, Apple, Spotify, wherever you like. It is the number one podcast in the UK for self-development, don't you know? Um, and I'm also on Instagram at Francesca Amber or at Law of Attraction Changed My Life. And I have a website, FrancescaAmber.com. Francesca, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me over. Thank you. Francesca Amber there, friends. If you want to learn more, FrancescaAmber.com. Law of Attraction changed my life on Facebook and on all podcast services. Now, before we go any further, I want to tell you that the Lincolnite podcast is looking for the best of unsigned music from Lincolnshire. Lincolnite unsigned, baby. We want to feature a track by a local unsigned musician every single week. I threw out a couple of posts online about this earlier in the week, and the responses have already been phenomenal. My email is lit up at the moment if you are an unsigned artist in Lincolnshire and you have some original original tracks recorded send them over with a short bio about yourself to ronnie at the lincolnite.co.uk that's ronnie at the lincolnite.co.uk for a chance for them to be featured on this show we want to hear everything coming out of Lincolnshire be it pop rock grime drill indie acoustic folk dubstep I don't care send it over Lincolnite unsigned ronnie at the lincolnite.co.uk before I speak to my final guest today, I feel it's important to give a little bit of background. In August and December of 2017, some local media outlets were reporting on graffiti around Lincoln. It was a simple, simple tag in a bunch of locations and it simply read juice, just the word juice. The police put out their first appeal for information to identify juice in 2017 to absolutely no avail. For years afterwards, the word juice kept popping up on walls, doors, electrical boxes, phone boxes, lampposts, just all across Lincoln in the form of small tags, large graffiti tags and even stickers at the end of 2021 juice struck again with various stickers and spraying his infamous tag but he did it this time on the doorway of boots on lincoln high street the police again appealed for information but this time with a cctv image of a man that they quote felt could help with their investigation and yet again their efforts were fruitless after that, it would be easy to assume that things pretty much fell to a silence. To anyone outside of the world of street art, it, it became hard to tell whether a juice tag was fresh or it had been there for some time. There were just so many dotted around the city. The same questions exist today as they did after the first police appeal half a decade ago. Who is Juice? Who is Juice? Why has he sprayed his name across every wall in the city? What's his motive? Is it vandalism? Is it something deeper? What's going on? Friends, it's a really strange honor i don't know to bring you this interview this conversation was agreed on the condition that we don't reveal his identity for you know fairly obvious reasons so friends lincoln's most notorious graffiti artist juice beautiful so juice thank you ever so much to agreeing to this interview how are you yeah i'm good thank you much for having me on you know <laughs> you know thank you for doing it it's it's really crazy you know to my to my knowledge this is the first time you've done an interview like this yeah um as i told you before i, I did like a minor one before but it was not not to this scale it was more just a couple brief questions with someone <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair so so let's let's talk about your work how long have you done this how long has juice been a thing i'd say maybe 
four or five years. I might be wrong with that. Mm. Um, I've written under plenty of other names and I've done elements of street art and stickers and all sorts of things. <laughs> That's fair. So when we were, when we were talking prior, you mentioned that you were doing bits when you were at school. Yeah. Um, year seven onwards, uh, just sort of began with like, well, a lot of people do just sort of like writing on bathroom walls and, uh, desks and stuff, drawing little characters and slogans about, but, um, I sort of eventually that the story I'd, I'd mentioned, I was going to be telling you, um, was me and some friends, we'd, there was a little character I'd drawn that had a head for a hand. Right. No, a hand, a hand for a head. Hand for a head. God's <laughs> oh, I'm already making mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah, he had a hand for a head. I can't remember what inspired it or why I'd drawn it, but we printed them out on stickers just to mess with people and we were sticking them all around the school and stuff like that. And then this was towards the end of when I was in school, sort of, I think year 11 onwards. Mm. Um, and when we got into sixth form, we had, I don't know if it was like sixth form president or like class prefect or whatever the hell they call it, but <laughs> We just thought of a way to mess with people was to print out posters and stickers with this handhead character saying vote for handhead and all hail handhead and long live handhead and stuff. And it just spiraled completely out of control. It went from just like a few stickers to it was like me and about 10 of my friends sticking these about the school. The, the teachers were having like a manhunt for people. They were checking what people were printing out on the school printers. They were doing like pocket searches, bag checks, like that's um, not, not the first fruitless manhunt in your life. <laughs> oh, definitely not. Oh, <laughs> so, been, Oh, go on. Sorry. Go on. Day one. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So that's what I really want to get to know. The, the, the question that I think everyone will have for you, if you walk around Lincoln city center, you can hardly look at a wall without seeing the word juice on it. I think the question that people would like to have answered is why? Why do you do what you do? See, I originally thought that was going to be the easiest question to answer, but I realized it's probably going to be the hardest because there's no fixed reason why I do it. And the reason why I do it has kind of evolved over time. Mm. To begin with, when I was in school, it was just, just being so, you know, um, I'm trying sorry, I'm trying to think of how to say it without swearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate being it. A, being a bit of a miscreant, I was a right. bit of a ill-behaved child. Um, but then eventually, like from the initial stuff in school, I started looking into more street art and graffiti and things like that. And it's sort of, I started just writing random words and slogans and little characters and stuff. It was more sort of misplaced creative energy and anger. Um, and I was, during that time, I was starting to have a lot of issues with mental health and I was dabbling in drugs and alcohol and self-harm and things like that. And it was, for me, a way to get all this anger and rage out with by just by damaging something else, but not damaging myself. Mm. Um, but eventually I had gone to a gig in York, I think it was. I 
wouldn't quote me on that. Can't quite remember where it was, but there was this group of graffiti writers sitting in the back, and they were trading, like handing each other sketchbooks about and showing each other sketches and things and swapping stickers and things. I'd just never seen it before. I was completely enamored with it, and that was where I met a friend of mine who tagged uh, Bomber. Mm. Who uh, rest in peace to him. Unfortunately, he actually was killed a few years back. Sorry to hear it. That's one of them things. Man. Yeah, just... but, um, yeah, he sort of instilled this sense in me that if I was going to be doing this, I shouldn't just go out and mindlessly do whatever, just destroy and not care how it looked. If I was going to do this, I should have a more positive force with it and use it to sort of have an outlet for my own issues, but also to put something better into the world, basically. Um, so, so you saw it almost as like a therapy in a way. Yeah. It's, as I said, I eventually, obviously from when I was in school to being older, I got, I, I had a whole host of mental health issues and was quite deep into substance abuse. And I was mm. really bad with self-harming and things like that. And it was a way of me to, just push all that out of my head. Like when I was out, when I'm out painting or writing or if I'm planning something, it's this calm sense comes over me and nothing else in the world matters because I'm focused on what I'm doing. Mm. Um, plus as well, if, if the more money I'm spending on spray paints and markers and things, the less money I have spent on getting annihilated and going out walking all the time and getting in the fresh That's air. actually helping with my depression and stuff and i'm now several months clean and sober um haven't had any recent episodes of self-harm it's yeah it's, it's a weird thing um but i guess as well there's also there is an egotistical element of course mm. it's uh, putting something out that's going to outlast me like yeah it's it's a sort of not to sound big heady, but it's like a legacy almost. It's my little mark in the world. <laughs> it's yeah, to say, I, see, like, I see what you're saying. I'm here. Mm. I'm here. Please notice me. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk location because, like I say, you see these tags everywhere. What to you makes the perfect spot to drop that word juice? There isn't really a perfect spot. I find. The more I plan out what I'm going to do and where I'm going to do it, the less creative it feels. Mm. It, 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 at that point, I might as well just be putting up a uh, like a, a pre-printed thing that is just the same thing every time. It's yeah. I'll go about and I'll look at it's like this thick, so almost like a sixth sense of I'll notice a spot and think, oh this would look good here in this style or say it's a section of wall that's a certain shape. I'll be able to move the letters and shape without to make it flow nicely. And mm. in my, in my eyes, the look of there, I know a lot of people will see it is I'm ruining it, but yeah, so sort of, I'll, I'll sometimes have, certain spots that I've noticed just going about my day-to-day -day business where I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to go and hit that tonight or I'm going to definitely hit that next week mm. when I've got more things or something. But 
for most of it, it's just, I just, I like to go out and walk and wander about and just clear my head, listen to music and things. And just as I'm going, I'll just hit spots on the way. Do you have limits on things that you'd never tag? Yeah, absolutely. I'd never tag um, like any religious buildings or like churches and things. I think that's just wrong. That's going mm. against you're attacking someone's personal beliefs at that point. Um, I'd never tag any like historical buildings. Mm. Part of the whole thing for me is I, I don't mind if my work gets removed because that's part of the challenge of it. Yeah. Is and it also means that, like, say I do something, it gets removed. I can then go back and do it again. And yeah. if it's a while later, I'll have improved. And it's, it's challenging me to keep it up and keep improving, basically. Mm. But if I was to tag a historical building, they couldn't just go and paint over it or pressure wash it off. They would have to do a complete restoration on the building. And that's just wrong to me. Say if I would never tag, like, some someone's like like the front of someone's house or something someone's personal property mm. it's there's kind of an exception to that rule with me um in certain places if there's my kind of rule of thumb is if it's a wall without any windows or doors on it for someone's house it's fair game mm. because then like i wouldn't go up and tag someone's like front door that's yeah. just wrong to me and then like if someone was to do that to me i'd be raging like i wouldn't <laughs> Even if it was a really good tag of like a writer I really respect, that'd still be like, yo, that's that's mine. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> I think I think people will be people listening will be surprised to hear that there is a, a moral compass to what you do to an to an expert. Oh, when it comes yeah. to where you hit, yeah, I think that would surprise people. So, just to wrap up, what does the future hold for you? Are you going to carry on with what you're doing? Where are you? Where are you at? Um. Well, um, I guess I'm kind of, I don't want to say retired, but I'm definitely <laughs> on, I'm definitely on an indefinite hiatus. So, yeah. uh, I'm wanting to focus on my family and other mm. creative endeavors involved in like, uh, it, it's not just that I do, I do art, I make music, I write poetry, yeah. I yeah. do tattoos and photography, um, but I, w I don't think I'd ever be able to say I've permanently quit, but definitely as well, a big issue is my, my physical health just isn't what it used to be. Right. Um, several years of running about at night and breathing <laughs> and painting and climbing fences has definitely taken its toll on me. So Yeah, years of painting. So yeah. I don't want to be making the mistake of Icarus. I'm not going to fly too close to the sun. I'm going <laughs> to... Maybe, maybe pause while I'm ahead. <laughs> it's fair enough, my friend. It's fair enough. Well, thank you ever so much for uh, for doing this interview. If there's any last thing you want to say to the people of Lincoln listening, obviously we're not going to shout out who you are, your Twitter or Instagram like we normally would. Just anything you want to end on, feel free, my friend. Something I, I briefly touched on it with some of the things I said before, but I definitely want to just talk about sort of mental health and substance abuse issues because mm. that's a big problem in society as a whole but definitely within the graffiti community that is a huge thing like almost every writer i know either has or is currently dealing with drug addiction alcoholism and mental health issues or a combination of all three 
Like, I just sort of want people to realize we're not mindless criminals. We're just trying to get by. Most of us are poor. We're sort of working class. We don't have a lot of positivity going on in our lives. And I mean, crime is a, a symptom of poverty. Mm. Graffiti is a symptom of poverty and poor mental health services. Like, I mean, yeah, like if I had any sort of main takeaway from everything I've said today is just the council, the police, the government, whoever, they need to reprioritize what they're looking at. Mm. If like one of my biggest things is um, anytime there's an article in Lincoln or whatever by the police in Lincoln about graffiti, they always say that they urge artists to look for local clubs and legal walls. And I have, and the nearest legal wall to Lincoln is Sheffield. Wow. Uh, there's no clubs in Lincoln that offer anything to do with graffiti. So if they're expecting these people to do it legally, they need to give them an outlet for that. Mm. Like they, honestly, God, I feel like the best thing they could do is just, just out, out of the way somewhere, build a couple walls and just let people go and paint there. Don't punish them for painting there. Mm. And gradually we'll see more and more people will realize, oh, I don't have to go out and risk arrest and risk this and risk that. I can just go paint this legal wall and take my time and make sure that it's nicer and better and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, just... I hear you. Yeah. Well, again, Juice, thank you so much for your time today, my friend. It's been, it's no been eye-opening well, in a way that much. I didn't expect it to be, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm... I'm grateful for the opportunity to um, discuss these things to sort of finally be able to give my side. <laughs> <laughs> no, 100% grateful for it, my friend. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, who knows, maybe awesome. we'll speak later down the line when uh, when the hiatus is over. <laughs> maybe, we'll see. <laughs> Much obliged, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Juice for that interview. A genuinely fascinating conversation. You heard it here first, folks. Not retired? on indefinite hiatus that's wild friends that bombshell wraps up today's episode if you've got something good going on or you're an unsigned musician with a track that you want us to hear shoot me an email at ronnie at the that's ronnie at the remember to tell your friends tell your family everyone in between about the Lincolnite podcast remember to subscribe remember to review check yourself before you wreck yourself and we'll see you same place same time next week take care